0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You tune into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And today, Martha joins me for a rare end of the week, but not quite the end of the week show. And we're so glad to have you here, baby. It's fun to have you here. We're back for part 2. We are. Yesterday Martha and I jumped into a conversation about the book Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw and uh, it, how to get the four how to get four generations working together in the 12 places they come apart and we started that conversation and we really didn't finish the conversation so I held her over for another day.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's such a great topic and we love talking about it, but really you need to understand the gen- generation so that we can talk about then our differences.
0: So if you tuned in today, you can get a lot of our conversation, but we recommend you go back and listen to yesterday's show. And you just uh, search on in our podcast on our webpage under sticking points um, or under, yeah, sticking points probably be the way the best way to find it. <laughs> But before you do all that, before we get into the conversation, Martha, I think we should let people know a couple of things. Okay. Out on IWorkForHim.com. When you go out there, the first thing that will pop up is the I Work For Him Nation flag. We would love to invite you to join us in praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. The prayer that you, when you start to pray for the people you work with, it will transform your hearts. So that's the first thing we'd like you to do. Make that commitment to just be an agent of change in your workplace. I work for him.com click on the I work for him nation flag and also Martha we mentioned it yesterday but it's seven months actually less than seven months today till we go on our marriage retreat cruise mm-hmm. March the 30th through April the 3rd 2017 and it's really crunch time for people to get signed up for this because pretty soon the cruise company will take away all of our spots
1: it is. Um, the fact that we go on the weekend cruise, so we leave on Thursday and come back on Monday morning, there are a limited amount of those that go out of Tampa, and so they're in high demand. And so we need to get the rooms booked as soon as possible. does not mean that there's you have to have it paid in full up front. You just need to get make the commitment so that we know that those rooms are going to be yours, and then um, you have the safety and security of knowing that uh, you have a place to sleep.
0: And here's why you should come. You know, this is not a a, a cruise for, for couples in crisis. That's what counseling is for. This is a cruise that is designed for couples who want to work on their okay or good or great marriage, and they just want to make it better, good, great, or super duper awesome. And it, it it's just an amazing thing. It's not that Martha and I are amazing. We are amazing creatures created by our Heavenly Father, but it, the marriage retreat is part of the experience. But what is more incredible is the work that God does in the couple's lives as they spend time together being intentional in conversation. That's the most powerful part.
1: It is. We've met so many couples lately that have made an intentional decision to do something good for their marriage, something um, that they invest time and money in for their marriage on an annual basis. And this is just one of those great ways that you can do that, we believe, because it's all about... Um, just making the marriage stronger and growing together and getting time together and building friendships.
0: Yeah, it's a, it, and it is a lot of fun. You Keep it as reasonable as possible. It will impact your marriage guaranteed in a positive way and you just need to go out to iWorkRem.com and click on the events tab and you will get the details and have a link and you can get in touch with Rick Saltarelli with Salty Breeze Cruise Planters and he can get you all the details and pricing and help you find a cabin and that kind of stuff. We'd love to have you join us. Doesn't matter what church you go to even if you don't go to church maybe this will inspire you to get involved in the church but we're this is a biblically based retreat for husbands and wives and it will it will impact your life in an amazing way we'd love to have you join us i work for him.com click on the events page martha as we have this conversation about the generations in the workplace and as we talk about the differences in those generations i picked out this verse acts 217 in the last days God says, "I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams." It's not like any generation has an exclusive connection with God. Right, uh, young and old connect with God, and but understanding each other and how we connect with God, and understanding each other and on, on the perspective of. How we relate to each other is so important. And that's why we want to, you know, spend a couple of days talking about sticking points.
1: Yeah this this book um Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw was just such an eye opener for both of us and we just that's why we're talking about it. We just feel like there's so much good information in here. My book is all marked up and I can't necessarily keep track of oh yeah, that's what a Gen Xer does or oh yeah, that's what a traditionalist does. But when you read this in context of who you're working alongside or who you're managing, if you could be thinking in those terms when you're reading it and saying now I understand why that X is important to them or why um, they react this way or whatever so that you you have you understand their culture a little bit more and you can um, capitalize on that rather than resent it.
0: You know, and as Christ followers in our workplaces, this, this applies, this is so important that we seek to understand each other so we can bring the best out of each other. This applies in our workplaces. It also applies in our churches. It also applies in our neighborhoods. It also applies in our families because all of us were raised by somebody in the next generation and all of us are raising somebody in the, excuse me, all of us are raised by somebody in the previous generation and all of us are raising somebody in the next generation. It'd be weird the other way around. And, and, and
1: some are even raising two generations lower right. than them as grandparents are getting more involved.
0: Yeah. And and it's so stay tuned with us as we talk through this. We're going to review really quickly the four generations and then we're going to dig deep and how we can break through some of the real sticking points and how people can get to working together in the workplace. And uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, it, well, I know it's gonna be fun. Because Martha's here, so it's always people always say the show's good, Jim, when you're on, but it's great when Martha's on. So it'll be a great show today. We have fun. Yes. All right, you're listening to I Work for In with your host Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we tackle sticking points: how to get four generations working together in the twelve places they come apart. How we're and it's all based on a book, Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw: How to Get Four Generations Working Together in the Twelve Places They Come Apart. And this is part two. Uh, Yesterday, we started the show, and we really intended to get through a lot more than we did, and we just got to describing the four generations, which we will do in a moment. But first, we've got a special announcement by one of our guest hosts. Mark Clark is an often guest host for Martha and I. He and Joni Rometta from Wealth Planning and Design, and he's putting on an event in Lakewood Ranch on the 27th of September, and I really wanted the audience to hear about it because this is something you should get involved in. Mark, talk to us about this event coming up.
2: How you doing, Martha and Jim? Thanks for having me on. Hi, Mark. Yes, I am very excited about this event we're doing. Um, it's called An Evening About Generosity, and our website is com. But we have a really cool speaker coming to town, and his name is John Cortinez, and he wrote a book called God and Money. Now, before I go any further, uh, one of the most important things to know about this event is Leave your checkbook at home. We are not, not, not raising money. We're not asking for donations. We don't have a silent auction. It's just an evening about you, about coming and hearing a message about true generosity and hearing John's journey as he found, he found, he found a pretty unique message about true riches.
0: Well, and I think what's really cool about hearing about this event is that you really, it's an educational experience, but to hear from a guy who learned about this at the Harvard Business School. And these guys, their popularity has exploded because I've heard about John Cortina's and the guy who wrote the book with, whose name was what was it again, Mark? Uh, Greg Balmer. Greg Balmer. These guys, I've heard about them from several different people across the country. So what they learned, the Lord is really using to uh, get the message out all over the place. And so you're not asking people to bring their checkbook to raise money, but it does cost some money to put on an event like this. Talk to them about the cost involved. And, you know, when we talked about this event yesterday, we didn't tell people how they get dressed. So I told everybody after you got off the air that Martha was going to be dressed up all perfect and I was going to be wearing an I work for him shirt and shorts.
1: And I said, Probably not.
2: I I love you, Martha.
1: <laughs> so can we clarify on the air how Jim should dress for this event?
2: <laughs> well, Jim should wear a, a tuxedo, but the rest of us will be in business casual attire. Okay. Which, which is completely fine. It's uh <laughs> those the uh, <laughs> The Ranch Grill is right here in Lakewood Ranch, uh, 1671 Broadway Loop. It's on, it's in downtown Lakewood Ranch, the, the, the sprawling single street of downtown Lakewood Ranch. It's really easy to get to. Uh, if you jump on that website, golfcoastgenerosity.com, you can find the restaurant's address. And, yes, there is a cost uh, because there's no charge for John coming in, but it, it's costing us to rent the room, and it, obviously the food has a cost. And we didn't want to go out and get a corporate sponsor. And uh, I couldn't get Jim to, to pay for a hundred plus people's dinner, so uh, it's fifty-five bucks a seat. Um, or if you'd like to buy. A table and sponsor the table. It's five hundred bucks, so you save a a few nickels there, here, and there. And I got to tell you, I think we'll have a little excess. Uh, You know, you do the math; you you never come out perfect, but I think we'll have a little excess. And frankly, Jim and Martha, if we make any money on the event, we're going to give it away that night. So we're not trying to make uh, a profit on this; we're just trying to cover our costs. I can promise you, you will be blessed. You will be challenged. In fact. When Joni and I first heard John and Greg speak at Kingdom Advisors back in February in Orlando, uh, you know, you you go to a, a national conference and you hear these seasoned business veteran speakers, and all of a sudden these two young college guys walk on the stage. You're like, well, who are these dudes? What are they going What are they going to teach us, us older people who should know more <laughs> uh, about giving? And I, I got to tell you, for the next 30 45 minutes, I sit there with my mouth open, just going. Oh my gosh, I'm challenged. Shame on me. I'm encouraged. I'm fired up. All those things went into my thought process. So, uh, you gotta come hear their story about what they learned at Harvard Business School getting their MBA. And and the cool thing is, and I know, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, but the the neat thing is they have actually set in play some life, life lifelong uh, metrics that they're holding their so- selves accountable to. I'm not giving that away, but you got to hear about this, and it's it's just it's powerful. And again, bring your management team, your your employees team, your family, you know, people getting ready to go off to college, um, your your pastoral staff at your church. You will be blessed. I promise you.
0: So gulfcoastgenerosity.com, dot Gulf com, dot and it's September twenty seventh from six to eight. I, I thought it was at the Polo Grill, but you said the the Ranch Grill. Oh, what?
2: sorry, Polo Grill, Polo <laughs> Grill in Lakewood Polo Ranch
0: grill. on the twenty seventh. People can find out more online: Gulfcoastgenerosity. dot com, Gulf. Coast coast generosity.com where they can call 941-361-1484 941-361-1484 mark martha and i are really looking forward to this event we're thrilled that you're putting it on we can't wait to hear what john cortina said to say thanks so much for supporting this event and thanks for making sure my eye work for him listeners can hear all about it
2: well thank you martha and jim and have a great rest of your day all
0: thanks right see so you later much. mark Bye bye. So we are really looking forward to that event. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's fun to hear from the next generation on how the Lord is already moving in their lives. Uh, Generosity is such a huge thing. And it's something that is not easily learned. It's not.
1: And not a lot of people talk about it because so many things in our culture are, are, well, what am I going to get out of it? And what's in it for me? And uh, yes, you're going to get a nice meal. But what we are, even what they are exemplifying in any excess is that it's going to be given away. And just understanding that that's true generosity
0: it is and and how the different generations look at generosity that's another one of those points here at sticking points the book by hayden shaw that martha and i are talking about Mm. today and it's part two uh yesterday's show we really kind of went through a brief overview of the four different generations but took the whole hour it did so so can we do it in five minutes and 44 seconds before the next break
1: I think we probably could. And I think the key is, like we said in the beginning of the book, it talks about the fact that you go to another nation, another country, you have to um, understand their culture in order to understand some of the things that you can and can't do or why they do what they do and where they wear their shoes and how they dress and, and all of those kinds of things. It's the same thing with generations, understanding the culture of which they've been raised in so that we can understand where they're coming from and glean from it rather than be repulsed by it.
0: Yeah, it's so important that we just step back. We have to look at this. We've got to ask that question. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus wouldn't alienate people older than him or younger than him. He reached out to all of them and he and he treated them all with grace and mercy and respect and lots and lots of love. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And he called people out of their sin. He didn't judge them. He just called people out of their sin. He goes, go sin no more. So let's talk about these four generations. Now we only have four minutes and 46 seconds. Okay, but traditionalist. Traditionalist born before 1945. So they were born before the end of World War II. They were, that generation didn't have TV. That generation experienced World War I and World War II. They went through the Great Depression where they had, where, where regular foodstuffs in the United States of America were scarce. Where a quarter of a million men were killed in battle. Uh, some other things that they were They
1: were the first people to know about sliced bread.
0: Yeah, the greatest <laughs> thing since sliced bread happened in 1928. I mean, thinking about that, they, they what was their top TV shows?
1: They didn't have any.
0: No television. They actually sat around the radio. What great people. Uh so they and these are people that they had uh, I mean, White Christmas was written during that generation.
1: Yeah, Atisket a Tasket. I mean, you Boogie Boogie, Woogie Bugle bugle Boy. Boy.
0: All right. Okay, next generation. Baby Boomers, born between 46 and 64. So uh, Martha and I were raised by traditionalists in a Boomer household, but we were Generation Xers because we were born in 66. But all of our siblings are Boomers. So key things about Boomers is they were born right after World War II, but they experienced the Vietnam conflict. It was the Vietnam War. They call it a conflict. It was a war. Um, The Civil Rights Movement. I mean, black people getting the vote—that's fantastic. The Watergate scandal. I am not guilty. Um, you love doing that. I do. Um, the the uh, Woodstock. Woodstock. Uh, nuclear warhead testing. Uh, the huge things. And they did have some TV shows, but it was Andy Griffith and Bonanza and Gunsmoke. Just totally different kind of stuff. Uh, but more, you know, like Leave It to Beaver. Why is it Leave It to Beaver on here? I don't know, honey. Yeah, I suppose you had to choose. So the next generation, Generation Xers. These are people born between 65 and 1980. And these are people that that were born, they were raised by boomers or or late traditionalists but they experienced during their high school years double digit inflation. You know, we had siblings who had mortgages almost twenty percent. We got a great deal on our mortgage in 1980s, 1988 at eight and three percent. And people are thinking, oh, that's a lot of money. Oh my gosh!
1: We were so happy.
0: We were thrilled because it was we like thought six, we died and gone to heaven. It was like six percent under the market. Yeah. It was unbelievable. People also, as part of Generation X, experienced AIDS for the first time, yeah. cable television for the first time, the Sony Walkman for the first time the space shuttle program and the space shuttle Challenger blowing up in january of 1986 i remember that i was in college mm-hmm. the berlin war not being built but being torn down wow the, that's what did i say war. war uh that was reading because the persian gulf war was during that time berlin wall getting torn down ronald reagan gone mr Gorbachev tear this wall down that's awesome. That was you great. To do a lot
1: of impressions. I today. Did, that was
0: not my Ronald Reagan impression. <laughs> no. uh, but then the TV shows. You talk about a degradation in television. Dallas, Roseanne, The Simpsons, Friends. Those were things that they that were tops of the generation X. And technology was introduced. This generation started dealing interacting with technology. First generation have cell phones available to them and computers. We know this because. We are part of that generation. We also had first generation have touch tone phones at home. Millennials, oh, never thought of the that. generation that grew up not knowing anything about a generation without computers. Right. They have no idea what life is like without computers or cell phones. I mean, really, cell phones were part of the deal. They also went through the Oklahoma City bombing. 9-11, President Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> the uh, Department of Homeland Security being uh, built the Dow Jones record high and lows
1: I love this the Y2K non event Yeah Y2K
0: non event <laughs> Y2K we all know it That's right um, let's see Barack Obama becomes the first black president
1: And then some of their TV shows
0: Top TV shows The Family Guy why wow, you talk about really going downhill The Family Guy uh, American Idol one of the highlights but totally different these people technology and music And pop culture really influenced them. Now, all these four generations, they all work together. And and they all look at life very differently through the filter of the events of their lives. When we come back, we're going to dig deep into different things that can happen in the workplace and how you and I can help work through those things and find commonality because Jesus is the answer to all of their problems. We just need to bring Jesus up. We have been talking about this book the last couple of days, and it is so important as Christ followers that we lead the way in this, because there is conflict between generations because we look at things very differently. And you need, if you really want an in depth look at the different generations, you got to listen to yesterday's a store. Uh, how about show? There you go. Or what we just talked about in the last five minutes, or you need to read this book. All right, Martha, there are 12 sticking points that Hayden Shaw addresses in this book. Right. 12 things that cause the different generations to, I mean, they, they literally, took, uh, what they go apoplectic. I think that's the word. Ooh, it's, big word. Yeah, I have no idea what it means. All right, so.
1: <laughs> You're just making it up.
0: No, I'm not. It's one of those vocab words from high school. I just forgot the definition, but we can look it up later. Okay. So these 12 sticking points, communicate, these are things That come up at work that cause conflict between the generations, communication, decision making, dress code, feedback, fun at work, knowledge transfer. How do we transfer knowledge, Uh, loyalty, meetings, policies, respect, training, and work ethic. So these are things where people get stuck and we don't have enough time to highlight all of them, but we picked some of our favorite ones
1: we did or the ones that we think are the most troublesome not really favorite can
0: we, let's start with can we start with dress code sure cuz dress codes kind of one of those fun things because if Since there's anybody who is
1: the guy that doesn't like to wear long pants and abide by code that's why we had mark explain the dress code right on the radio when he was telling about his event <laughs>
0: everybody's always picking on me here's the deal it doesn't matter how you dress just so you get the job done Okay. And, you know, and when I, my first jobs out of college, the traditionalists were still in charge and they all looked at dress code as huge formal dress. It shows respect in and out of the workplace. Everywhere my father went, he wore a suit and a tie to church on Sunday. He was always looked nice. He was always dressed up. But it's just really impractical when you're trying to start your lawnmower having a tie around your neck.
1: Well, that's a little different, Jim. You know, the, and then, you know, Wait 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 wait. Are well, you moving on from dress code? No. Oh,
0: okay. I'm moving on from traditionalists. Got it. Baby boomers, more like um, uh, the uh, what was the guy that was the father and my three sons. He came home from work. What did he do? He took off his suit jacket and he put on a sweater. Business so professional. Did Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers did the same thing. Business professional. The baby boomers were business professional, but at home they got casual, a little more casual. They didn't wear jeans. They didn't wear jeans, but they were casual. (laughs) Then comes along the Generation Xers. I prefer casual at work because I can be more comfortable. Good cotton picking grief. Nobody needs a noose around their neck. Seriously, people have died from ties. Your Gen
1: Xer is coming out in you right now.
0: Well, because people have died from ties. They're trying to unclog their printer when there were dot matrix printers or shredders and their tie gets in there and it literally chokes them to death because of the tie. It's dangerous. If you ever wonder why there's a no tie next to your shredder at home, it's because of this.
1: Okay. I just think it's really funny because you're, you're, you're making such a great point without even, I don't even think you're doing it on purpose, but you are over expressing the part that resonates with you because that's who you
0: are.
1: So everybody's going to hear louder, what you believe about dress code
0: <laughs> i would prefer that, well and I, you know in minnesota it was no big deal to wear pants and a nice shirt and a jacket I mean, it was no big deal because it was cold
1: but it's more casual in florida overall don't but you it believe is
0: because jackets are sweltering right. here. oh my goodness right so they hate had, sweating they've
1: had to give way to that but um but the point is now you is go that downtown but you there's guys do people wear to be appropriate for where you're going.
0: Absolutely. You do need to be appropriate. That's why you need to ask the dress code. That's why when Martha and I went on vacation in Knoxville, Pigeon Forge, we were trying to find a church. We had to find a church that wasn't a, a dress code that I could, I mean, I, I wanted to go. All I had was shorts and a so polo shirt. So if you shirt.
1: manage your church's website, here is a great item to add to your website for those vacationing and visiting dress code expectation. It, we found it on one. Yes, it was And Jim it, awesome. it was like so excited because he's like, oh, it's going to be okay. That's right. It's going to be okay. I I showed up in shorts shorts and a
0: polo shirt and I was okay. (laughs) That's right. All right. So traditionalists want to be totally dressed up because that's just, that was a sign of respect. Whereas millennials are like, what's the big deal about dress code? I just came to work. And there's certain safety issues with regard to things, but it's, it's finding a compromise and you want, obviously for ladies, it got way too casual. I remember having to tell ladies that worked for me. No, 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 not that casual. This is not the spa. <laughs> you still need to cover everything up so that we can all function and work during the day. But it, it's the dress doesn't make you work harder or less hard. I am way more efficient being comfortable than choking to death with a noose around my neck. And I and we programmed all know for years. You feel. Well, I, you know, let's just talk about my closing ratio. In the insurance business, I was expected the first three years from ninety one to ninety four, I was expected to show up on all appointments in a suit and a tie. My closing ratio was somewhere between twenty-five and thirty percent. We went independent insurance agency. We bought our own, and we started our own insurance agent. I started showing up during the wintertime in jeans and a long-sleeve shirt, in the summertime in shorts and a polo shirt. My closing ratio jumped to fifty to eighty percent.
1: But don't you think you were better at your job? No, I think it was all
0: about my dress code. (laughs)
1: I think it was both. But this is a conflict that people need to... Maybe you more comfortable so you, they didn't feel so uneasy well, I, I, buying I, uh, from you. I
0: felt like a door-to-door religious salesperson walking down the street in a suit and a tie in the neighborhood in Minnesota so, in the summertime. So this
1: can be a very heated, um, emotional topic for people. I'm not emotional about it. that's the whole point behind understanding this, is that Jim... Um, feels very passionate about the way he should dress and other people do as well. And so coming to either for the sake of the industry or the sake of the office or the sake of um, sanity or the sake of the client adjusting the dress code appropriately, but doing it in such a way that everybody understands why. If you just say, because I said so and I'm the boss, (laughs) you do not get buy-in. So that's the whole thing about understanding where everybody's coming from.
0: The do as I say worked for the traditionalists. They were told what to do, they just did it. But it doesn't work for millennials and it doesn't work for Generation Xers. Come up with a reason. And if your reasons are pathetic, talk with people. Compromise. I mean, there's obviously if you work in a warehouse... Um, Flip flops not appropriate, but if you work in a warehouse and there's no toxic chemicals that get on people's legs, shorts should be appropriate. Certainly, if you're in Florida, oh my goodness, warehouses are hot down here. But be you know, talk through these things. What makes most sense um, from a value standpoint, from a safety standpoint, from a uh, what's your corporate image standpoint? It, it just it makes a big difference. We got to talk through things, but seek to understand. You know, Stephen Covey said that, and it's so powerful. You know, seek to understand it was one of the seven high seven habits of highly successful people seek to understand very very powerful in here okay so that's that's dress code dress
1: code can we talk about communication
0: we can That's
1: oh, we're a out of time huge one um the traditionalists they learned about writing memos and listening to speeches and sitting in meetings
0: and they used snail mail and oh, yeah. they they had listened to speeches oh yeah they Martha already said that but it was <laughs> They, they they lived in a box, and they were comfortable in a box, and that's what they did. They didn't have any other options. They used this thing called a typewriter. Or a pen. Yeah, typewriter. Yes. And they have rotary phones. You're Anywhere. into
1: sound effects today. Okay,
0: you're listening to I Work For In with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we tackle Sticking Points, a book by Hayden Shaw. How do we get the four generations to work together Instead of coming apart. You know, as Christ followers in a workplace, one of the things we need to do is learn how to relate to other people that aren't like us. That only means men learning how to relate to women, women learning how to relate to men. How about young people learning how to relate to old people? Old people learn how to relate to young people. Yes, it goes both ways, people out there listening over 50. We need to learn how to relate to those young people we work with and to appreciate what they bring to the table. They're our, our perpetuation plan. So we're talking about this book by Hayden Shaw. Sticking points, how to get the four generations working together and the 12 places they come apart. And we can't tackle all 12 places, but we are going to tackle a few of them. We just got done talking about dress code. Don't get me started on that again as I sit in shorts (laughs) and and a polo shirt and Martha's all dressed up and pretty. We're talking about communication. And the four generations, the traditionalists, the baby boomers, the generation Xers, and the millennials, they all grew up in very different... They learned to communicate very, very differently.
1: Yes, they did. So we were starting to just talk about the fact that traditionalists were letter writers. They um, listened to speeches. They sat in meetings. And that is how they communicated. They read
0: newspapers. They listened to the radio. Everything was very proper. I mean, they had fantastic penmanship. I mean, you remember your grandmother's penmanship? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, now, Mom, if you're listening, your penmanship, not so much. (laughs) I I, I love you, but. not so much.
1: But she still uses it, yeah, and so she does. I think she that's can still the write. Cursive. I love, cursive I love that Facebook writing. thing that says uh, cursive is going to be the grandparents' uh, secret secret code. code because you know kids don't know how to read cursive that's anymore. True. We'll be so, able to
0: use that because we know I cursive, know. but the next generation—these kids learn it today—they're they, they not being taught it. No, because so, they just type.
1: Okay, so I know you said we have to talk fast, so we, the no, baby, people need to
0: listen quickly. Okay,
1: that too. So baby boomers, their forms of communication is writing a memo, picking up the phone. And you know, setting up a meeting.
0: Yeah, phones. I mean, they got they learned sophisticated phone etiquette and and how to answer the phone and how to talk on the phone and when to write. I mean, they had good writing skills. Again, they were using snail mail, and uh, but it was. The visual presentations, but, you know, on flip charts and things like that. So talk
1: about proper phone. I'm just going to throw in a little family story here. Um, My grandmother submitted this years ago to Reader's Digest because we actually learned to answer the phone. My my maiden name is Haynes. We would say Haynes residence, Martha speaking. That is how okay, if your name wasn't Martha, you didn't say Martha. You I mean, said weird. whatever your name was. I ask, he's but
0: but whatever she answered. Woo-hoo.
1: Answered the phone and identified ourselves. Today, of course we have caller ID, so people don't even think about that. But I still the answer. What do you want? I still <laughs> most of the time answer the phone, this is Martha. That's my modern translation of Brandenburg residents, this is Martha or Martha speaking. But that was how formal Phone was at that time. I just never thought of it.
0: Now, the Generation Xers, they they grew up in a global world embracing new technology of email and cellular phones,
1: instant messaging,
0: instant IM. In, in yeah, well, first it was on AOL. You had AOL.
1: Yes. They grew I up am. in
0: a, I mean, Generation, yeah, I, AOL, which is kind of a non player today, they sent out discs cds to every household in the united states of america more than once yeah multiple multiple times saying hey buy internet through us get internet get access to the internet through us and And it was it was um, I mean, they sense they spent billions of dollars on CDs, That's, but
1: before the kids had cell phones, IMing was the way to communicate with their friends on a quick basis.
0: That's right. Now, millennials, they don't even know what the life life is like without technology. So communicating for them, they they weren't taught to formally communicate. They weren't taught how to write great memos. they're They grew up with smartphones, wireless video games, text messaging. The world is at their fingertips. And so they they in order to communicate for them, they think they think, Texting is communicating. No, they think it's talking. Oh, that's what I think. Yeah, they oh, actually oh, missed, think it's talking. Jose says we met. We missed beepers because oh, the boomers, yeah, the boomers and the early Xers carried pagers. beepers, pagers.
1: Yes, most definitely. That was great. So yeah, because it used and, to and be those turn of off of all cell that, and pagers.
0: Yeah, that's right. If you don't know what that is, that was the little thing you had on your waist, and if somebody needed you, they would dial a number and they would send a signal. And it would go. Dee, dee, dee. Deet, deet, deet. And it would
1: put a little phone number and on the screen. so you would screen. go find a pay
0: phone and dial that number and say, you dial, you called? Yes. It was kind of funny.
1: Yes. So get to a phone because you didn't have one on your waist. So, yes, I think that um, the big thing for millennials is that they they will say, well, I talked to him yesterday. And they texted. it. You know, to say for us as busters, isn't that what we are? Is we're a no, buster? We're, we're, what are, we're in between and there is a word, but we can't remember what that word is. But anyway, the, um, you know, we're like <laughs> talking. That's not talking. That's, that's informing someone of something. Yeah. Millennials
0: anyway. have to be taught to do face-to-face communication without their cell phones. But they... It is part of who they are. That is one That's of the... Right. That is part. I mean, it's like um, AM radio to to boomers. They grew up listening to AM radio. Hey, they understand and we're it. thankful for yes, AM we radio. Are. We love AM That's radio. For sure. AM radio broadcasts way farther than FM radio. But Jim
1: will tease with younger people. Go, you know that there is that button on your in your car. Well, I don't even know if they what if they're buttons now or what they are. But that say AM because they so many people use spot. that. Ox. Aux. Yeah, the ox. But anyway, um, they also it, the big joke is don't leave a voicemail for a, mul- a millennial because <laughs> they don't listen to voicemail. They, they,
0: they just see that you've left a voicemail and they call you. and Go, did you call? I'm but like, they yeah, didn't want to I left a lengthy voicemail with all the details oh. you needed. <laughs> well, I didn't have time? I didn't have time to listen to it, oh, so I, I just, just called, called you back. back. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. Anyway, so, so in a workplace, if you've got somebody who's old who's listening to those voicemails, actually they don't even have to listen to voicemails. They just brought a memo over to your desk. And you got a millennial texting to the the old person, the, the, the traditionalist going, hey, I got that project done. And the traditionalist going, I don't have a cell phone. No, they do now. I mean, all, all our parents have cell phones, but they don't. Uh, your parents text. Yes. My parents lot. do not text. Yes. All right. So communication, big difference. How do you solve this problem? You need to just find... You, for, you seek to understand, and if you're the boss, what, what Martha's raising ooh, her hand.
1: Ooh, ooh, I have an answer for that. How to solve this
0: problem. Oh, yeah. I had, oh, a, yeah, I had a
1: manager's had... meeting a couple of years ago, and it was really enlightening because we talked about this subject, and we went around and we said, what is your preferred form of communication? And we heard from each person in the room, who were all peers, and um, learned what those Peers, but from different generations. Right, but learned what their preferred form of communication was, and then we were encouraged to use that when trying to communicate to that person. So the one who really, really, really likes using the phone, you better pick up the phone and call them. And that is how we to respect them, attempted to communicate. And if I liked emails because I could get them day or night, answer when I could, in between dealing with customers and things like that, it was much more efficient to either text me or email me. And so we talked about that and we learned to respect where each other was coming from and why.
0: Well, you also had a lot of millennials working for you. Oh, sure. And what was, could you send them emails? No. No. (laughs)
1: No. and so Martha would
0: to, tell me, I sent her an email, nobody read it.
1: No, so I had to learn also to communicate in multiple different ways to, in order to make sure everybody got the communication.
0: Ways like Facebook messaging.
1: Facebook messaging, emails, texting, phone calls, um, all of them. Electric shock treatment. But I, but I had to learn a little bit about their worlds and respect that, not just say, you oh, got to do what I'm saying. And it worked out really well, and they respected me for it.
0: So we're just talking about this book written by Hayden Shaw. Sticking points. And we're just... There's 12 different sticking points that are in places where the generations really butt heads. And we're not going to be able to cover all. We're going to be able to cover like four of them today. And maybe we'll come back and do another show on this. But so we've we've talked about dress code, communication. Now we're going to talk about feedback. Because feedback, you talk about... I love this. I want to find the spot in the book. Okay. Feedback. The, uh, how the different generations look at feedback. So traditionalists, if you do anything wrong, the boss will let you know. But no news is good news. That's where they that came from. No news is good news. <laughs> they, they just, they got, that, that was it. No news is good news. If the boss didn't bother you, then you're fine. Baby boomers grew up with annual performance appraisals and quarterly one-on-one meetings with the boss, maybe. But that, that's... That's what they just, they they, they expect to get feedback on an annual basis, maybe quarterly, but most of them got annual performance. Yet you go to Generation Xers.
1: Yeah, and they really um, felt like the performance reviews on a formal basis were um, too formal and untimely. And so they really want that immediate feedback.
0: So they're looking for feedback on a regular basis, maybe weekly meetings that you have with people. And, 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 and that's... You talk about a difference. So if you got somebody that's a, a a traditionalist, they're expecting to get feedback from you. Never. No news is good news. Baby boomers, uh, annually. Generation Xers, weekly. But millennials, guess what that is? Get it? Just think, think for a second. Okay, based on what you know about millennials, how often do they need feedback? all the time all the time they need constant feedback why because they're used to having electronic devices that give them feedback connected to their body
1: so here's the interesting thing where that comes from is their video game playing they're constantly getting a new score for things that they've achieved and and where they're going and or getting it taken away if they fall off of the plank as they're doing this video game or that game and and so they've learned about Instant feedback that tells them you're doing better, you're doing better, you're getting closer to the mark, closer to the mark. Oh, that was a failure. Got to go fix this, do that, and that's where that comes from. So they need it constantly. So again, understanding why it's not just that they were born more needy than you or I. No, we
0: made them needy. Yeah, but but what's but I will t- I will challenge you this if you're if you're a manager, a supervisor, a leader, an owner of a business that I still think there is super big value in annual performance appraisals that are written, that people have to do self-appraisals and then appraisals. It's a little old school, but, man, it gets people thinking. And it's so powerful. But you also need to recognize that you cannot just give feedback to people on an annual basis. People need feedback all the time.
1: Well, because we believe that annual review should never be a surprise. Right. So they should be getting the real-time feedback that the millennials want, no, the Gen Xers want, but making it formal in the sense that they have something to keep and to refer right. to and to remind them, I did get a, I did get a good mark. My boss does like me, or um, like the work I'm doing. It's not so much about liking me, but the work I'm doing. But you know, I do have this area I agreed to work on. So there's value in having it in a form that they can refer to. You know,
0: millennials are really described by their hope is that someday. They will post a video that goes viral because that would be the ultimate in feedback for them. We've got a nephew that works in sales and he looks at his numbers like a video game. He's trying to crush his sales numbers because they're like a video game to him. Hmm. Because he's always, I mean, and he sends them to me every month, Uncle, look what I did. Uncle, look what I did. I, I did it good. I did good. So look at this. I I slaughtered my numbers. Because he's getting that constant feedback. He can look at his dashboard and see his feedback all the time time
1: right and that makes him a great employee because he's in an environment where they're giving him his dashboard or they're allowing those marks to to rate it
0: we talked about um uh, what do we talked about so far we talked about communication with- dress code Feedback And now we're talking about meetings. But you wanted to read something from the policy section really quick.
1: Well, I did, because I think it applies to all of them. It just talks about how if executive management team decides all the policies and rules, it's going to be um, a win-lose situation for somebody. But if you have, you can't use this in every situation, but if you have representatives from each of the generations come together and try to um, come up with ideas and recommendations for policies then you're going to get a broader view and better buy in.
0: It's so true. We just ah, take time. Slow down. Not everything needs to be in a hurry. All right. Meetings. Talk about a difference and how traditionalists versus millennials and baby boomers and generation Xers Mm -hmm. look at meetings. Traditionalists they met very infrequently and the boss did all of the talking. Like I said no news good news. Just do what you're supposed to do. Baby boomers, meetings were how they got information and how they created they created opportunities for everybody in meetings. But exercises poli- political, political. political.
1: Like it was like a, a power, power play. Yeah, power
0: yeah. play. All right. Generation Xers, if meetings are not relevant and do not keep moving, I will multitask. We could do some of this electronically. People would look at emails. they bring their laptop computers into meetings. But meetings became less and less important because they're communicating more often. And for millennials, meetings are like a waste of time because millennials are constantly in communication. They think they're a waste of time. But they look at those as a complete interruption of their schedule. They're okay, but they're going to multitask because millennials are looking for feedback all the time all the time all the time
1: well and they're looking for entertainment and if the meeting is boring they're going to tune out because...
0: so that's why you need to bring me in for your local business meeting because i will make your business meeting very entertaining
1: nothing boring about you jim
0: no there isn't all right so we, talk, we covered that one really quick let's just really meetings I mean, it's one of those things if you want to know how people feel about meetings ask them and if you're wasting a lot of time in your workplace on meetings
1: stop I think this is one of those areas where it's like, well, we've always done it this way. If you've a meeting every Tuesday morning, just because you have a meeting every Tuesday morning, but you're not really accomplishing anything. And you're making 20 people go away from their desk for an hour. How expensive is that? Think about the expense of that. Make it worth the company's while. And do it less frequently and more effectively, or shorten the meetings.
0: All right, we're talking about Hayden Shaw's book, Sticking Points, and one of the, the fifth one we're going to cover today out of twelve, and we're done. We might have to do a future show like this, but was having fun at work. Talk about a real dichotomy for how the generations look at it. traditionalists. Fun. I'll relax once the work is done. Period. Baby boomers. The work itself is fun. Baby boomers tend to be workaholics. Now, that's one thing we did pick up, Martha. We are definitely workaholics. Generation Xers, it's work. Quit trying to make it something else. Now, I want to put the Christian spin in there, the Christ following spin in there. If, if you're a Christ follower, your work should be enjoyable because you're doing everything for the glory of the Lord. Don't just try to get over with and go home so you can have fun. You can have fun doing things at work. But millennials, I'll get more done if I have fun. If we have fun, I mean, millennials want to work and have fun at the same time. Make it a competition. Have some good times. You work with millennials. How do you have fun with all your millennials?
1: Oh, we would have contests or just different things. I was just looking at a website yesterday for a company run by millennials, and they actually put on their website, like, how many buckets of popcorn they eat a week. You know, they just are having enjoyment while they're working.
0: Here's the point of our conversation today about getting these gener- the generations to work together is as Christ followers, we've got a responsibility for reaching out to all people in our workplace. You and me have an opportunity. Our workplace is our mission field, and you and I may be the only Jesus our co-workers and employees may ever meet. And if we don't start to seek to understand the different generations, we're never going to reach them with the incredible, saving, freeing message of Jesus Christ. Start today. Start praying for your co-workers and employees by name by joining the I Work For Him Nation. No, you don't have to join in order to start praying, but I'd love to know you're praying so we can pray alongside of you. Go out to IWorkForHim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag. Thanks for tuning in today. Great discussion. Martha, way too fast moving. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, and we own our own.